It's amazing how great your home looks with new carpenter flooring, especially when you get an amazing value from a company you trust. That's why you should call Sears Flooring. With Sears Flooring, you'll save 20% right now. Just call 1-888-491-3939, and Sears Flooring will bring the showroom to you. Sears has a wide range of carpet, tile, hardwood, or laminate to match your style and budget. Your new flooring will be precisely installed, and your satisfaction is guaranteed. So call Sears Flooring for a free in-home consultation. You'll save 20%. Call 1-888-491-3939. Hurry. Offer end soon. Not available in all areas. Installation provided by Sears Authorized Licensed Contractors. License information available upon request. Call Sears Flooring now and save 20%. Call 1-888-491-3939. 1-888-491-3939. Sears. Block Talk Radio. without white folks and be able to raise the question what is it that we're going to do independent of white people it is very very hard for us to envision a world without white people but we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them but certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Habargani, Salbona, Majwa, Nangadef, Anisogoma, Hetipu, Indamana, Indamanesh, Peace, War, Pan-African Greetings Family. This is Kamal McCasey Dahoudi. And you're back home at Africa's reascension. Start off like we usually do with an apae or a libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. I go, I go. I go. Odomakoma, Inyame, Inyame Wa, the treaty upon, Oluru, Nkulukulu, Ingai, Quoth, Mawulisa. Amen, Pata, Ra, Amen Ra, Bejiansa, Asasaya. Abosun and sa, Abosun po and sa, Nana Sergibi and sa, Nana Esiketua and sa, Nana Kofi and sa, Nana Tigare, Nana Tigare, Nana Tigare and sa, Nana Kumi and sa, Kweku Free and sa, Akonadia Bena and sa, Asubontin and sa, Bochewewa and sa, Taminsa and sa, Jehuti and sa, Oya and sa, Ogun and sa, Shango. Oshun and Sa. Nananoma and Samanfu and Sa. And Samanfu Abasuafau and Sa. Abasum Abasuafau and Sa. Yeshrimo Yanser. Yeshrimo Ahutin. Yeshrimo and Chera. Yeshrimo Sikapa. Yeshrimo and Kwasu. Yeshrimo and Kwasu Abasuafau. Ye and Kwasu. As to you, Odumakuman, and Yame, and Yame Wa, and Gulukulu, to use me in this form to impart clarity and cultural consistency to all within the sound of my voice. May I speak directly to their Sunsun, their spirit, and reawaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside them. Medasipa, Medasibio, Mopiaf. Monekasa, Medasi Nanano, Yo Medasi Nanano.
The apaye, or libation, is an ancient practice that is still done to this day in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one as those of tomorrow. Look upon what we are doing now, enjoying strength from, and doing the riches of yesterday. Africa's reascension, Kamal Mukasey Tahuti. I first want to apologize to everybody for all the bouncing around <laughs> that's been going on over the past uh, month, month and a half or so. And it still may not be over yet. Um, as you see, we, and I went ahead, I said screw it, went ahead and decided to pay for it. Uh, but the first month is free. And so things can still change. Um, some of the things that made me go ahead and do this uh, may change. And so I would still say, you know, keep your eye out here. Keep your eye out on uh, Black Power Network, where I was for the last few months, um, to stay abreast of uh, what where Africa's reascension is. Um but right now we're back here, and this is only going to be an hour uh, because we thought the world was going to end. No, just playing. Uh, hopefully, finally, that nonsense is over now. And we reported on that back when we first heard word on it. And then, of course, because Christian is a bunch of BS, it didn't happen, and we're still here, still plugging, still doing what we need to do. It's just a shame to think of how many black folks, how many stolen Africans were caught up in that, oh, my God, the crash is coming, the crash is coming, nonsense. Um, but um, I ain't see nobody floating away. I ain't feel no worldwide earthquake. So it's all good. Um but no, just an hour-long show today, uh, basically because I didn't get everything I needed done to do what I wanted to do. Um, again, trying to figure out where I'm going to be as far as over here on Black Power Network uh, and uh, a few other factors, pulling together all the research, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. We're going to keep it light. We're going to do a uh, Bobo Mawali, Malcolm X tribute um, after after the 30-minute mark. Got some clips and stuff laid out of his own words because, again, the best way to learn about somebody is to read and to listen to their own words first. And then... Uh, then once you have that down, then you can open yourself up to other folks' interpretations on them. Um, even even if it's coming from a nationalist or a nationalist-sounding perspective, um, you want to get their words down first and then get other people's takes and opinions and whatever, whatnot. Because, yeah, truth can be found anywhere. And so, again, even with – so, so yeah, so I'll be playing some clips from Malcolm and then our recent presentation um, on a panel dealing with Manny Mabel and the book and Malcolm and stuff like that. And so I focused on the book. And so we've got all that wound up together in clip. And so that will play, like I say, around the 30-minute mark or so. What I did want to do, give folks, you know, a few updates, some events that are coming up. The Association of Black Psychologists will be having their 40th annual international convention. Unfortunately, they don't have what I'm looking at. They don't have the um, title of it on it, but <laughs> but the, what the but it will be here in 
July 26th through the 3rd. Virginia. Again, that's July 26th, 1st, here in D.C. And um, now everybody in the Association of Black Psychologists, not African-centered, um, you got a lot of Negroes in there. However, there is a nice, large contingent of African-centered people within ABSI. And that's one reason why I've decided to do a second step um, with them. I did my first um, tour, uh, psychological duty, if you will, uh, back in the 90s when I was out on the West Coast. And so now I'm out here, and there's some good people who are heading the eastern regional, or maybe it's midwestern regional, it's, uh, a dynamic sister that is heading it. So I was like, all right, yeah, let me go ahead and get back in um, while they've got some African-centered folks in the ship, and we'll see what the future holds from there. If you are in the Virginia, Maryland, or D.C. area, July 26th through the 31st, um, you definitely want to hit them up and check them out. You know, just type in Association of Black Psychologists or ABSI, and um, their website will come up and all the information, registration fees, other things like that. www.abpsi.org uh, is where you can get all the information about them. Let's see. We will have a big two-hour blowout welcome home show in two weeks here, um, come out 301 here, uh, in two weeks because next week there will be a show. I will be in New York, and I will finally be perusing the Schoenberg Library D much talked about, highly touted um, Schoenberg Library. Um, if anyone's seen the Dr. Clark documentary, you know he and author Schoenberg's relationship. It was that relationship that got Dr. Clark to be the Dr. Clark that we knew and know him to be. And uh, and so tying those, both of those together, my main, of course, you know, I'm going to check through all the stacks and everything that I can. One of my main tricks or the focus that I'm going to use is to check out um, the Dr. Clark uh, collections. I'm really interested in his lesson plans and his curriculum and what he put together um, because that's going to be some of the stuff that we need to duplicate. And hopefully there are other people who are doing it too, and I'm not the only one. But there's a lot of stuff that's out there, a lot of plans, a lot of curriculum, a lot of stuff that's already out in existence. And the fact that we don't systematically use it to move ourselves forward, we always want to um, create something new, we want to reinvent the square. It's just like, yes, that's square. Everyone says we all want to be different. Um, it, it, it just boggles my mind. You know, part of it is folks may not know that it's there. That's true. Uh, some of it, I think, is just ego. Everybody wants their particular name to be out in the limelight and their particular name to be linked to this, this, that, and the other. I, I don't know if I've said this before, but I'll make sure to put this on the record now. When I become an ancestor, I do not want anyone to begin to practice Kamaoism. I don't want anyone to become a Kamaoologist, <laughs> a Kamaoologist. This is not about me. This arguably is my interpretation of data over 20 years, which is a dedicated <laughs> Interpretation of data, which is a um, Jegna guided um, 
elder in the true sense of the word, elders, guided interpretation. Um, but I'm sure there's some stuff that, that I'm wrong on just in the sense of the time that we're in, and I can't see everything and know everything. Um, but on the things that I do feel that I'm right on, I, I don't equivocate, I don't bow or buckle. But this is not about Kamal McCasey Tahuti. This is not about messianic nationalism. I'm not trying to create a following so everyone can bow down to the great mind and wisdom of Kamal McCasey Tahuti. No, 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 no. Do not, I'm going to say it again. Do not... When I become an ancestor and to go into that next realm, I don't want people becoming a Kamalologist. I don't want people following, trying to recreate every single word that I said down to the punctuation and not move it forward. I think that a lot of the analysis, a lot of my analyses is correct. I do feel that have in the close to 20 years that I've been doing this um, dedicatedly, um, and there's a lot more dues to be paid and a lot more things to learn, um, a lot, lot more growth to be had. Um, I just say, listen, listen, say out the. And then go do your own research. And then if if then you agree that I, I am correct in, in what I'm saying, then then we can link arms and move forward and, and, and continue this arm in arm. But I I'm I'm not trying to get a following and all that a following like that where it's ego driven and all that sort of stuff. So And I think that's hampering, that's definitely that's definitely hampering us moving forward. There are folks that are doing research. We're freaking at war right now. I don't really care about the makeup that the ancient Egyptian, ancient Kemetic queens were wearing in in the 18th dynasty. We need research on the, the, the as specific as we can get on how did ancient Kemet, um, what was ancient Kemet's economic system? How did they go about doing it? Because it wasn't capitalist and it wasn't communist. What was it? I don't hear enough of us talking about that. There are plenty of books by Caucasoids that they give their ideas and hypothesis off of what Kemet did. But I don't hear enough of us talking about that so we can attempt to recreate that if we want to recreate something. Um, that that That's more wartime scholarship versus some, um, I've been seeing some crazy <laughs> presentations being presented at different conferences, and I'm like, you really, really spent X number of hours on that? We got folks dying in the street. We got folks who don't know who they are. We got folks who are identity being pulled this way and that way, and you're talking about that. So yeah, so I just wanted to get that out there. Um, this ain't about Kamal. This is about Africa, the place that we now call Africa. The values, the two hundred thousand, the three hundred thousand year incubator that all of us who look like me were nestled in. And that is still within us today, though it lies dormant, because of deliberate confusion and BS and all that sort of stuff. Play a little bit of music and then come back and get into Pablo Mawali, Malcolm X. I want to play something new that I haven't played before. Let's be. 
brothers of Marcus Garvey. Revolutionaries and we came to party. Teflon warrior, you cannot scar me. Y'all looking stiff like kings and barbies. Get down, let me do my thing. In the words of Huey P, action is supreme. Red, black, and green cover my body while I be ready to set it off. Show something like Cincinnati. Symbolically, 
African Liberation Day is a day where, um, at least how I was brought up in it, uh, it's a day where all different, again, pro-black, black nationalists, African Center group together, and think about uh, moving forward on a global scale. We, we, you know, a whole bunch of stuff happens on different African Liberation Days. Uh, some folks with certain agendas have hijacked it, um, and that's why I really don't participate out here in the festivities. Uh, but these these two weekends are important weekends on the pro-black, black nationalist, Africa-centered um, agendas. But sticking with Bob Mawali, we've put together some clips and um, at certain key points, I'll jump in to um, what's the word I'm looking for to guide the discussion or guide where the clips are going to go, and um, then I'll introduce my talk, my little discussion, my presentation that I had uh, regarding the book. Malcolm X, A Life of Reinvention by Manning Marable. So, yeah, so let's go ahead and do it. It's just, I I guess I'm pausing for a minute. It's just so interesting. Like, in in, in context of doing the presentation, one of of Marable's contentions is that uh, Malcolm wanted to distance himself from black nationalism and more towards the later months of his life he was having all these changes and reinventions and stuff. And so in so I go back and listen to, you know, some of the stuff that he did those last few months of his life, some of the talks, his last speech and and the few before that. And I'm just like, Marable, where are you getting this from? Not only is that not true, <laughs> but then his words are still applicable to our conditions today. His uh, Baba Mawali's words, if, if if some of these Moors and Hebrews and all these other splinter groups would actually just listen to some of his direct words, they would know who the hell they were. <laughs> there wouldn't be all the, more uh, this confusion, and then we could move a bit forward, more forward on. But I'm gonna let him talk. So I want Baba Mawali to tell us about who some of us want to integrate. Some of us want to integrate with a certain group of people, and some of us want to actually be like that group of people. So um, Baba Mawali, could you begin and start and tell us about this um, group of people? who folks want to so much be like and integrate with. Could you break it down for us? You're trying to call yourself appealing to his moral conscience. He has no moral conscience. He has no moral. I ain't going to have moral conscience. He neither has moral nor conscience, much less moral conscience. Now, don't waste your time. So the propaganda of the American government is skillfully designed to make our people think they don't want us.
What would you do? How would you live if you go back over there? And some of these old dumb brainwashed, handkerchief head, 20th century intellectual Negroes. First thing they tell you, first thing they tell you when you say something about, let's go back home. I haven't lost anything in that. No, you lost it all right here. You came over here with it. When you came over here, you had it. But you lost it. You lost your name. You lost your language. You lost your mind. You lost your culture. Don't tell me you didn't lost your mind. You came over here black-minded. Now you're white-minded. Been brainwashed. All of the color has been taken out of your heart and out of your mind. Now you're running around not satisfied unless you can talk like white folks. Unless you can walk like white folks. Unless you can eat and sleep like white folks. You're a white black man. White on the inside and black on the outside. You're not this and you're not that. This ain't in between. <laughs> And don't nobody want you, cause you don't want yourself. Why the book says, don't mess with Mr. In-Between. Nobody want Mr. In-Between. You're a middle man. You, they won't let you be white and you don't want to be black. You don't want to be an African and you can't be an American. So you run around here like a nut, like a nut on the law, sitting on the fence. You're in bad shape. Imagine the white man telling you and me that Africa is a jungle and everything over there is backwards. And if you go over there, you won't like the living conditions. How are they living over there? Why, we got to bring them over there to get them out. If there's no way over there, why don't they get out of there? Why did Lumumba have to fight to get the Belgians out of the Congo? So it's one of the most beautiful places on this earth. If, if it wasn't beautiful, the white man wouldn't be there. You got the white man all over over there. He's everywhere over there, living like a king. But they're getting ready to send him. Send him. No, it's not a jungle. It's civilized. It's cultured. It's developed. It's intelligent. High moral. High everything. Good people. Friendly people. Hospitable people. Brother to a brother. That's how they kidnapped us. We were too hostile. We saw the old white man coming over the hill, and we accepted him into our city as a friend. And he shipped us down the river, sold us in the bondage. This is one of the greatest mistakes that our people made, opening their doors in hospitality to the white man. And when we, when we first saw him coming, we should have sent him then. And we never would have had to catch the hell we've been catching over here in America for the past 400 years. When he came to Africa, he came from the jungle to civilization. Because the jungle was in Europe. Savages were in Europe. Cannibals were in Europe. Cannibals were in Africa. Cannibals were in Europe. White people were up to eating each other up. They still eat each other up. You see these berries and things running around here. Those are white people. That's the way they live. They're cannibals. They're savages. They have no morals. A low-down, filthy race. The most filthy race on this earth. They used to live in the cave. They walked on their all fours. They were naked like animals. They couldn't walk upright. They didn't wear clothes. They didn't cook their food. Why, they ate raw meat. They still like their meat raw. Raw? Raw. That's the dog in them, brother. That's the animal in them, brother. Now they're a race of cave dwellers. Didn't know how to bury their dead. For 2,000 years they lived up in the caves of Europe. And during that time, you, you and my people were living in luxury, living with high culture, living in a high civilization. Why, Africa is the, is the root of civilization. Africa is the home of civilization. Africa's been civilized a long time. They have all kinds of civilizations in Africa. They had the Egyptian civilization, the Carthaginian civilization, the Mali Empire, the, the empires of Benin, of, of uh, Mali, Songhai, 
Why, you can call out empires all day long from the African continent that were in a high state of culture when these blue-eyed things were crawling around up in Europe, living in huts, eating raw meat. I love to talk about it. I do, I love to talk about it. Yes, I love to talk about it. Talk about them like a dog. And they should be able to take it. Now they know how we feel. Why, when I was a little boy, they called me nigger so much, I thought that was my name. If only they knew how to call you. Now they get an inkling of how we feel, and the chickens that they found out there are coming home to rub. They are a race of cave dwellers, raw meat eaters, naked, no clothes wear. That's where they came from. They are not fit to be walking around here telling you to look like they do or imitate them. No, they learn civilization from you. They learn culture from you. They learn how to wear clothes from you. They learn how to cook their food from you. They learn mathematics from you. They learn science from you. Why, the black man in Africa has mastered the arts and sciences. Way back younger, he mastered the mathematical sciences, the astronomical sciences, to the extent where he could plot the course of the stars in the universe when this old white blue-eyed thing didn't even know that the Earth was around. He just found out the Earth was around. Thank you for that breakdown, Baba. Could you tell us why Africa still matters today? It's been like 400, 500 years. Why does Africa So now, what effect does this have on us? Why should the black man in America uh, concern himself since we've been away from the African continent for 400 years, three or 400 years? Why should we concern ourselves? What impact does what happened to them have upon us? Number one, First, you have to realize that up until 1959, Africa was dominated by the colonial powers and by the colonial powers of Europe having complete control over Africa, they projected the image of Africa negatively. They projected Africa always in the negative light. Jungles, savages, cannibals, nothing civilized. And naturally, it was so negative until it was negative to you and me. And you and I began to hate it. We didn't want anybody to tell us anything about Africa, and much less call us an African. Uh, and, and, uh, and in hating Africa and hating the African, we ended up even hating ourselves without even realizing it. Because you can't hate the roots of a tree and not hate the tree. You can't hate your origin and not end up hating yourself. You can't hate Africa and not hate yourself. And you show me one of these people over here who have been thrown, who has a negative attitude toward Africa, and I'll show you one that has a negative attitude toward himself. You can't have a, you can't have a negative attitude toward yourself, a positive a attitude toward yourself, and a negative attitude toward Africa at the same time. To the same degree that your attitude, that your understanding of, an attitude toward Africa becomes positive, you'll find that your understanding of and your attitude toward yourself will also become positive. And this is what the white man knows. So they very skillfully uh, made you and me hate our African identity, our African uh, characteristics. And you know yourself that we have been a people who hated our African characteristics. We hated our hair. We hated the shape of our nose. We wanted one of those long dog-like noses, you know. Yeah. Uh, we hated the color of our skin, hated the blood of Africa that was in our veins, and in hating our features and our skin and our blood, why we had to end up hating ourselves. And we hated ourselves. Our color became to us a chain. We felt that it was holding us back. Our color came to us, became to us like a prison which we felt was keeping us confined, not letting us go this way or that way. And we felt that all of these restrictions were based solely upon our color, and the psychological re reaction to that would have to be that <clears throat> as long as we felt imprisoned or chained or trapped by black skin, black features, and black blood, uh, that skin and those features and, and that blood that was holding us back automatically had to become hateful to us. And it became hateful to us. It made us feel inferior. It made us feel inadequate. It made us feel helpless. 
And when we uh, fell victim to this feeling of inadequacy or inferiority or helplessness, we turned to somebody else to show us the way. We didn't have confidence in another black man to show us the way or black people to show us the way. In those days, we didn't. We didn't think a black man could do anything but play some horn, you know, some sound, and make you happy with some songs and in that way. We, but when an inferior thing, where our food, clothing, and shelter was concerned and our education was concerned, we turned to the man. We never thought in terms of bringing these things into existence for ourselves. We never thought in terms of doing things for ourselves because we felt helpless. And what made us feel helpless was our hatred for ourselves. And our hate for, hatred for ourselves stemmed from our hatred of things African. Thank you for that breakdown, Baba Mawali. Now, when you came back from Mecca, did you completely change? Folks keep saying you changed. Could you break that down for us? The first thing I returned, I kept being asked the question by some reporters. <laughs> uh, we heard you changed. And I, I would say I was kind to the reporter, actually. I smiled and all. <laughs> but I would say to myself, how in the world can a white man expect a black man to change before he has changed? How do you expect us to change when you haven't changed? How do you expect us to change when the cause that made us as we are has not been removed? Why, it's infantile, it's immature, and adolescent on the part, on your part, to expect us to change, to expect us to be dumb enough to change when you have not yet gone to the cause of the condition that makes us act as we do. You got the wrong man. I'm a Muslim, and I believe in brotherhood, and I believe in the brotherhood of all men, but my religion doesn't make me a fool. And here's the presentation that I did on Baba Mawali earlier in the month in the new book by Manning Marable. If for no other reason, then I'll get to that. So I just want to share some preliminary thoughts about this highly anticipated book. When I first heard about it coming out, I think at 07, 08 or something, I was I was literally chomping at the bit um, over it. You know, years passed, publication dates got pushed back again and again, and then when um. Christian came in February, you know, uh, talked to her. It's like, okay, you know about the book? And she was like, yeah, I've seen it. It's done. But it still got pushed back one more time even then. And and then finally, April 4th, it was released. Um, while this is a great accomplishment and a great work, I also hope no one here feels that it is the final word, and I hope we can still be critical, even of this good book. So from April 4th, you know, I got the book, and I haven't finished it. I'm two-thirds of the way through with it, so hopefully that'll give me a little leeway to still talk about it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because what I have done to, to try to prepare for this a little bit, in this folder I have pretty much every review that I get my hands on about it. And from them there's like little gray area. What I mean by that is the big boys reviews, the New Yorker, New York Times, Guardian, Washington Post. And it's a shame Will isn't here. I'd give him a shout out. He did the one for the Post, um, Wilson Quarterly. All of those, the big boys, they lauded the book. However, reviews by people who arguably are continuing Malcolm's work regarding black nationalism and pan-Africanism and or 
reviews from folks who had already written on different aspects of um, Bob Omawali's life have been a bit less than favorable, to say the least. In that camp, um, Todd Burroughs, Richard Prince, and um, Jared Ball, you can read and hear their reactions on VoxUnion.com. Um, Zach Kondo, author of Conspiracies Unraveling the Assassinations of Malcolm X, Marlana Karanga, one of the um, creators of Kwanzaa, and um, Carl Evans, author of um, The Judas Factor, The Plot to Kill Malcolm X. Now, while I will not delve into what each review, good or bad, has to say, I do want to briefly address some recurring topics in them. I don't know, first point, I don't know if it's so much an issue of homophobia or if it's that it's just incorrect. Because I'm going to go on record, publicly, categorically dismisses the allegations of alleged homosexual activity as opined on page 65 and 66. Even if it was about someone I didn't hold in high regard, myself and other reviewers agree it does not meet the scholarly rigor that other portions of the book really dig into and really exhibit. As Christian said, two pages. If you're going to make that, if it's important enough to bring it up, lay it out so then everyone will have to make excuses about it. If it's not that important where it's only two pages, don't bring it up. I want scholarly rigor on that. Otherwise, it sort of leans to tabloidism. That's just me and a few other reviewers. The one, one item that's laid out may suggest questionable behavior, may suggest kinky behavior, but this one alleged act and nothing else specific throughout the rest of the book, I don't, I, I'm not seeing it. I don't it doesn't it didn't come across strong enough to me. I will go ahead and get the Bruce Perry book which he which is one of his main sources for it and and read it for myself because I am that type of person to read the information and then come to a decision. But the Rodnell Collins information and then the Bruce Perry book I need a little bit more. So but now the most telling reason for my dismissal comes when you look at page 139 and 140. The FBI gives an assessment on Malcolm where it says he is not likely to violate, this is a quote, he is not likely to violate any ordinances or laws. He neither smokes nor drinks and is of high moral character. Then Mirable continues, although the Bureau saw Malcolm as a potential threat to national security, his rigid behavior code would make him hard to discredit. He doesn't have obvious vulnerabilities. And then earlier on, we learned that Malcolm was under 24-7 surveillance. So, if Malcolm was gay, engaged in these acts, or even had tendencies, it surely would have been used by the government to discredit him, either when he was alive or to tarnish his image in death. They surely would have shouted it to the rafters if it was true but it's not. The second point, I also want to categorically and completely dismiss, and he sort of touched this, Bill sort of touched this, that the false allegations to Bob Omawali completely changed when he came back from his last Mecca trip. The powers that be are on a determined mission to sanitize and freeze frame certain non-stream stolen African activists. Let me give you a few examples. W.B. Du Bois is being sanitized and freeze-framed to just his pre-Souls of Black Folks life and his old Tileton Tenth theory, and almost nothing is known about the 30-plus books and articles he wrote afterwards and his own dismissal of his Tileton theory for the creation of the Guiding Hundredth. Freeze-frame. They freeze in W.B. Du Bois. MLK is being sanitized and freeze-framed to his wrongly titled I Have a Dream speech. And I wish Dr. Carr was here because when he was on MSNBC, he mentioned this also, that it's 
one of the original, the context of it was the insufficient funds check speech. And that's freeze frame, Dr. King. And almost nothing is known of his meetings with Elijah Muhammad, of his meetings with Malcolm X, nor I don't think we ever hear this quote during his birthday. I can no longer speak out against the violence of the oppressed until I have first spoken clearly to the biggest purveyor of violence the world has ever known, my own U.S. government. We don't get that one. We get the holding hands and all that sort of stuff. Freeze frame. And we don't even get his abhorrence to the Vietnam War. So Malcolm X is being dealt with in the same way. Yes, he sent postcards back from his Mecca trip saying that the white man in Arabia is different from the white man in America. Yes, he said he was willing to work with anyone who sympathized with helping oppressed blacks. But we sort of get a mixed message in the epilogue. On page 485, see, I'm getting to 482, but on 485, Marable says, by the final months of his life, he resisted identification as a black nationalist seeking ideological shelter under the race-neutral concepts of Pan-Africanism and Third World Revolution. For anyone who really understands Pan-Africanism, first, it is not race-neutral. It is an ideology of all black Africans, diasporic and continental, forming unity and rebuilding for greatness. Now, in this more correct vein, Pan-Africanism simplified is global black nationalism. And when you actually listen to Malcolm's words, even during the last months of his life, which I redid do this weekend to prepare for this, he himself clearly understood this. In contrast, earlier in the epilogue, we already heard what he had to say about 482, which I agree with. He rightly says that folks are trying to historically, through historical revisionism, see Malcolm as an integrationist. Tying it back to the freeze frame, Anna. Freezing Malcolm to his mega postcards only, the U.S. Postal Service, after they make the Malcolm stamp, issue a press release that says Malcolm X had become an advocate of a more integrationist solution to race problems. Even Dave Remnick, in his recent New Yorker magazine article, parrots the okie doke that Malcolm completely changed after his mega trip. So for me, the best source to counter this freeze-frame attempt is Bob Omawali's own words. So now, with all that said, this work is still one to get. It is highly worth reading. His analysis, as Christian said, his analysis on the assassination hopefully could reopen the case. And like she um, said, there's some silent moving to do that. Learning about the zoot suits, getting a citywide ban <laughs> was interesting. The details of all the FBI and um, NYPD surveillance is, is actually sort of riveting, if not, you know, sort of saddening <laughs> also. Um, I suggest, like other reviewers do, go back, first of all, and listen to his own words. When I first got into Malcolm, I didn't want to read what no one else had to say about him. I got every speech of his that I could, and a lot of it is available online for you to check out now. And, and one site that has 25 of his speeches, full length, brothermalcolm.net. Listen to him first, brothermalcolm.net. So do that. Um, go back, reread the autobiography. Read this book, which are both available here. Get them, get them from us. <laughs> Got to do that plug. Go check out the Melissa Sante book on Malcolm X, uh, Malcolm X's cultural hero. Go and get the John Henry Clark book on Malcolm X, uh, Malcolm X, Man of His Times. Um, you can even check out Dr. Dyson's book on Malcolm X. Um, but those first two I mentioned, 
I feel, give a better sense of Malcolm's black nationalism and pan-Africanist views. He and Dr. Clark even were good friends, and it was Dr. Clark who provided a lot of research for him during his talks during the OAU days. So all of this combined helps to better understand the man who was Brother Omawali, Al-Hajj Malik Al-Shabazz, Malcolm X, who was born this month on the 19th, 1925, he would have been 86 years old. All right. That is our tribute to Baba Mawala. Hopefully my presentation did him justice. He's down there. He's, he's you know. Looking, looking down, chuckling, laughing, saying, that's right, brother. Don't let them sanitize me. Don't let them put out BS about me. Um, and there are other reviews. Um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, Karanga has done a three-piece thing. On on the, the the memorable book, and I tend to like part three the best. Um, part three, he lays out a lot of good stuff. Uh, but said about that, um, and and definitely go to voxunion.com. V as in victory, O X as in Malcolm, union.com. Jared Ball is on the ball with this man. He's got he he, he was just on um, Al Jazeera English TV with um, Brother Todd Burroughs and um, one of the researchers for the laying it down and laying it out and and I just wish I could speak <laughs> as eloquently. As 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 Brother Jared Ball, Dr. Jared Ball does um, about this, uh, I still say he probably has the best um, headline title <laughs> as a review for the book, Malcolm X: Life of Reinvention or a Reinvention of a Life. And it's definitely if you if you know Baba Mawali, and then you read the memorable book. Especially that, then you you'll lean towards the, the the latter part of that headline, reinvention of a life. Um, and I don't know if I can give too many details of this because it's still fresh and fresh and new. But it's possible that um, book might be coming out responding to the um, Manning Marable book. Just like when William Dyron's punk ass did that horrible piece of dribble trash on um, the confessions of Matt Turner, Dr. Clark and 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 other scholars and activists got together and did you know black black scholars respond to you know the the, the confessions of Matt Turner. Um, and and you know and, and we've did that a few other times with books or works that are just so out there, so stupidifying. Yes, I'm making that a word that that we had to respond in force, had to have something else out there. That's what I contribute to it myself. So more information will be out about that. Um, as the dates get close, stuff like that, make sure it goes through. So we're going to go ahead and there will not be a show next week. So in two weeks we'll have the grand reopening of the expanded Africa's Reascension here at its home base at blogtalkradio.com slash kamal301. Working on a new commercial with some bomb-ass music so everything is going to be tight. So Madasi to everyone who supports this, Madasi to everyone who 
friends it and favorites it and tells your friends about it. Uh, much continued support. We'll get the emails out two weeks. We'll be back um, with our first two-hour show over here at home. Abibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation. We will be victorious. of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. <laughs> 